Hey everyone, we're yeah, this is the feature section and uh, we're here with our three contributors for this month. Uh, Miranda, who wrote a piece on ethnic discrimination based on her experience attending a talk by Nikesh Shukla. Uh, we have Mohammed, who wrote a piece on Amazon and how it's destroying smaller businesses. And we have Ben Turner, who's uh, written a piece about Bart's food banks. And we also have Darcy Stickley with us, who's the deputy editor. So starting with Miranda, do you want to tell us about the talk you attended? Uh, yeah, so basically it was around about a month ago with Nika Shukla and he basically spoke to us about the work that he did um, with his book and the relevance of that in everyday life and he really did emphasise the fact that racism does not need to be violent or verbally aggressive. It can be so subtle, it can be as simple as, you know, challenging somebody's ethnic identity or cultural identity. Um, and yeah, I mean, that sums it up really. Did you find that you, like, writing about it was part of the, like, solution to this or did you find that like I don't know do you think the role of the media could have helped with with tackling the problems you were talking about um I think writing about it was important because I think it's really important to sort of um raise you know people's awareness of the fact that it isn't just explicit you know we're all aware that it exists but I think it's um quite thought-provoking to sort of like see it from another person's point of view and things like that um so to see it from his point of view rather than just seeing it from like an everyday sort of media perspective of like a big event like a riot or a racial attack or a police shooting or something like that you know mm -hmm. this is a everyday level rather than a just an extremist sort of level of racism I guess. Um, so the events you're talking about as an example do you think government policy currently does enough or do you think they could extend their reach to <coughs> tackle it further? No, I definitely don't think that government policy does enough at all because I think that, you know, when these police shootings take place, for example, in the, um, I think it was Mark Duggan's shooting back in 2011 or 2010, I can't remember the exact year, but um, when that took place, people felt that they needed to respond themselves because they didn't feel like they were getting answers. Um, things like that and you know the government like when David Cameron came out to talk about it and things like that he just sort of said well these riots are caused by criminality and bad parenting you know he didn't think about the fact that you know people's understanding and you know place in society if they are from an ethnic minority you know you're from an ethnic minority think about the language you know if you're from a minority you're going to feel at some level isolated because you're not going to feel like you're like everybody else potentially I don't, I don't know if I'm not you know from an ethnic minority in this country but yeah and I think it's kind of about understanding that sort of I'm not excusing you know how people responded in the rights but it's about understanding that sort of anger and I think that's what the government needs to appreciate in their policies and when they come out and speak publicly is how people are going to feel and they need to be in my opinion much more sensitive and mm. um towards people who are affected by these sorts of police shootings because the police are meant to be there to protect people and right now the way in which the police are going about everything and sort of this institutional racism it's not just in the police but in publishing companies like Nikesh Shukla pointed out you know it, it's not being challenged enough you know, you don't necessarily have to say, you know, all police do their jobs wrong. There are just some, and you know, that institutional racism, I think the government need to do more about. I mean, I think on an everyday level, the media have the role of 
um, shaping um, ideology, but I think the government have the role of institutions, and I think the media have the role of giving people information about these sorts of issues, that it is not just extremist and aggressive, it can be very subtle of challenging people's identities. Mm, that's very interesting you speak about language because I think like language is the most powerful tool we have in terms of like institutions as well as in terms of media just being more sensitive in terms of and language uh, you've also written about uh, Nikisha's experience uh, and how the biggest thing that affected him was the kind of language that was used uh, used towards him by uh, an official. Do you have any thoughts on that or anything you'd like to? Well, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, going up to somebody and asking them, are you English? Where do you get your money from? I mean, that's a completely personal question. I do not think that that should, you know, that wouldn't be challenged for me because of my skin colour, you know? That's completely wrong. You cannot help your skin colour, you know? And so what? You know, we all, the rest of us is, you know, the same fundamentally. You know, and I think it's just about accepting the fact that, you know, we all have different cultures and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if anything, it's enriching or it should at least be enriching, you know. Um, but, you know, I'd be quite offended if someone came up to me and asked. I mean, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit like asking women their age. You yeah. know, you, you don't do that. Why, why is it any more okay just because it's a different demographic of ethnicity to ask just because it's not gender? Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about because we're talking about quite a subtle level of discrimination. Like the kind of role that more commercial media can play in recycling like these these views you know for example like films tv series um like I, i think the role that they can play in recycling stereotypes is quite interesting mm. i think I, ver i very much agree with that i think um coming from uh the perspective of someone who is a muslim at the moment um uh there are very often cited stereotypes and tropes that kind of trotted out on a lot of TV and not just about Muslims about you know uh, any people of any race so for example you always have got in the in that drama you've always got the Muslim terrorist who's about to blow something up or you've got that you know the Asian geek or you know that kind of thing there's a lot of these stereotypes that probably subconsciously they're kind of institutionalized almost that um, do I think shape the minds of a lot of the population representation is key I think and um, mm. That's one thing I'm really happy about the magazine this year, that we've got a lot of different uh, and, like, what's the word? A variety of voices. Right, yeah. uh, so that's very good because, like, in university is such a big institution and if we just get people talking about their experiences, we're just more sensitive towards each other. Yeah. Moving on to the Amazon piece, speaking of more varied voices, we're going outside mm -hmm. of the university, we're going to like massive multinational conglomerates. Um, Mohammed, what do you think? After writing an article, were you like small businesses safe or were you like small businesses is something of the past? I do think that small businesses are not safe, but also I don't think they're a thing of the past. I think at the moment we're actually in a very important point in time where I think people are coming... Uh, becoming more aware of what's happening and what exactly is happening is that Amazon and it's not just Amazon it's you know um, all these kind of tech giants who we who we commonly hear about um, they're coming to a point where they're becoming so dominant in the world of business and the world of society that 
it's something that perhaps we have to start questioning. Uh, with regards to this particular article, this article focused on the point of copyright infringement and essentially profiting off other people's products. And that's something that it's not just Amazon who's guilty of, of course. Um, but there have been a number of examples that we cite in the article uh, of Amazon essentially taking a, a product of a smaller business. Uh, so in the article, we've given the very often cited example of this uh, laptop stand that usually retails for about, I believe it's £40, uh, designed by a company called Rain Design. And Amazon have pretty much taken exactly the same quite unique design of the laptop stand, uh, put on their own Amazon logo on it, and are now selling it for £13 under the, the brand of Amazon Basics. So that's just one example of this particular issue of how Amazon, using the advantages of scale, using the advantages that they have on their own platform, uh, you know, for example, they can put something right at the top of any search that they want. Um, that arguably, you could say that they are misusing that mm. ad advantage that they have at the cost of smaller businesses. Would you say if we were to have a um, revamp of Amazon, would mm. you suggest that they are not allowed to sell their own products and they're just a distribution service? So I think that this is a really, this is quite a... A crucial question in terms of I think modern capitalism not to kind of overhype this up but um, this is really a matter because ultimately Amazon are a private company whatever they do is their own business as long as they're not breaking the law to speak of which arguably they are actually you know in terms of breaking infringing copyright and whatnot um, I'd, I wouldn't really entertain the idea of kind of uh, influencing Amazon's internal policy. I think what we have to do, we have to create the environment such that even for Amazon it becomes uh, the right business option for them not to behave in kind of this monopolistic manner. Uh, and I think that's a really difficult thing. I don't quite know how they're going to do it because what they're doing now is working. You know, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Mm -hmm. Amazon is huge, is, is pretty much everywhere. Um, and the only thing is that, fair enough, okay, the, he's put in the work um, and the business has grown, but at what cost? We're seeing nowadays, you know, the, the high street is becoming more and more vacant. You see in Bath, you know, sh uh, there have been articles, I think, written about it on Bath time before, you know, about shops closing down. Um, and ultimately, a large contributor to this is Amazon. Mm -hmm. So, um, sorry, just one more question. Yeah, so, uh, like, uh, so, do you think Amazon is like uncontestable? So, will we see a future where, do you, in your opinion, will, will there be a future where Amazon will eventually decline or like they'll just take over the world? It's a really good question because, I mean, if you look at what Amazon has been doing recently, it started off as obviously like an online retailer, right? But now they've got what? They're making TV shows, yeah. they're making drones, they can deliver something uh, very in, in the same day, even nowadays. Mm. Um, so, it does seem they're definitely kind of at the. Uh, you know they're obviously doing very well I think this this point in time now is really important because it has, I think more people are becoming aware of how dominant Amazon are and you know society right now we are at the kind of point where we love convenience right um, and that's why Amazon's so popular because we can get things without leaving our sofa uh, but I think people are coming slightly more aware and I think there is a trend I think particularly among younger people that we're some there's a movement towards being willing to trade off some of that convenience mm. for for example supporting your local business or you know um going local so to speak mm. so i think this is an important time where we are going to decide actually whether we want to carry down this path of 
yeah, I mean, everything's great in terms we receive, everything's really efficient, but um, we have to also think about the inequality ramifications of it, which I think we're becoming more aware of. But it's also about that, just giving the power to that one small business to take legal action, isn't it? So mm. If they are empowered to do that, then it, it could be the death of Amazon that is, within uh, overnight. Yeah, potentially, that is true. Uh, I do think definitely, so the the laptop design company, Rain Design, that I mentioned yeah. before, they just don't have resources to take on Amazon, yeah. so they just have to give up. Mm. Um, but And I do think that even if they did have some resources to kind of mount legal battles, I think Amazon, the size they're at right now, is just yeah. very tough to contest, unless there's some kind of large-scale action taken by a big group of these small businesses, maybe. Um, I was just thinking, I think this reminds me of um, the rise of Uber, as well, oh, yes. Yes. Um, I've got a family friend who's a black cab driver in London, and he's complaining about Uber mm-hmm. all the time because he's done five years of knowledge yes. to get where he is, and now Uber's come along. They charge lower prices, mm-hmm. and they don't have to train. You can yes, essentially yes. be an unqualified driver. Yeah. So, I mean, I think yeah, it's a theme that we see across exactly. a range of things now. As you said, convenience is becoming mm-hmm. the main priority of a lot of people yes, when they're consuming. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And I think you can't necessarily, it's very hard to kind of blame people, for example, for using Uber. But, you know, there is a question of, oh, is convenience the most important thing for all of us? Mm-hmm. Are we not really going to think of anything else? Because if it is, then yeah, Uber and Amazon, they're going to probably take over everything. Um, just to go on the black cab point, there's a, it's interesting as well, because in London, it's, there's a stark difference between five years of training, no sat nav, and that's kind of the rule. And that's sort of the service you get when mm-hmm. you get into the cab. Whereas here, like when you talk to Uber drivers and you talk to taxi drivers, you do kind of sense a rift and you do, and it's just, and it's not even, the difference isn't that big. So they actually do, some Uber drivers are just like, I used to be a taxi company, I used to be a taxi company, now I'm not anymore. And that's that literally all it is for them, which is on the career change. Whereas that tiny change is like symbolic of a massive, <coughs> essentially a monopolization of, of like private transport industry. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Moving straight along to another industry. <laughs> um, Ben, you're about food banks. Yeah. How did you find writing the article? How did you find interacting with external people on the matter? Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, we had a good kind of research process. <clears throat> so we worked with um, the leader, well, the manager of the food bank in Bath. We spoke to him, had an interview with him. We also spoke to some people from the university about their views on the food bank issue. Um, so we got kind of a variety of voices on the article. Um, I think the way that it was, or the way it's kind of aimed to be read, is linking back to the article that was run in the last issue on homelessness, mm-hmm. um, kind of continuing on that theme. So we were trying to get the same sort of um, first-hand interviews, make it kind of local, close to students, but also kind of exposing the issue that's there. So you're looking at people who were kind of sort of local celebrities within Bath alone. Did you find the situation was kind of specific to Bath or did you think, like, did anything surprise you or anything kind of make you think? Um, I think, I, I mean, I think Bath is definitely one of many. And I think there's a pattern across the country. Um, as it says in the article, there's been an increase of 52%. Um, <laughs> of food bank use in the last three years or three or five years. So there's definitely a kind of overall theme within the UK of food bank use and 
in Barcelona, I think 4,000 people roughly use the food banks, which for a small city is a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it's a high proportion of people. So just kind of becoming aware of that issue and also becoming aware of kind of how under the surface it is, but actually affects a lot of people mm. and not the people that you'd expect. It's not homeless people necessarily, it's families, um, other people who are on low income or benefits. Mm. Well, as a, if we look at it as an, as an issue, like we looked at the ethnic discrimination one, so do you think food banks are part of a bigger contextual sort of, I say problem, I just mean like, are we in an era where food banks are sort of almost normalised as something that isn't just emergency, it's just a just another part of your of your shop, for example? Do you think it's a bigger, be a part of a bigger context? Um, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd hesitate to say they're becoming normalised, but I think there's definitely underlying issues that are driving people to food banks. Um, in the article I mentioned universal credit, which is the new benefit system that's been introduced, um, and there's a lot of issues associated with that and how that's stopping people getting the money and the food they need on time. Yeah, in terms of being a bigger issue, that's kind of the main thing. I think there's fundamental changes in decreasing income, struggles for benefits. Um, yeah, so... Oh. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so like what I was going to say is obviously looking at kind of like all these issues like food banks, Amazon and ethnic discrimination, I'd say they're all kind of signs of inequality in one way or another because Amazon is an example of an economic inequality, ethnic discrimination is racial and obviously food banks is quite a, I don't know what type of... Yeah. yeah, income inequality. But I just think overall, like, there's not really a sort of, like, great sense, I mean, certainly in the UK at the moment, especially after Brexit, of, you know, people coming together and sort of, like, supporting each other. There's this sort of, like, I don't know if hatred's the right word, but sort of, like, tensions between different sort of social groups. And I think that's really showing in these individual issues that, like Ben says, is kind of a wider underlying issue. And I think it's really important to sort of, like, I'm not necessarily figure out what's causing it, but definitely like realistic solutions because at the moment, like all of this is just sort of like very temporary small solutions. You know, like we can sit here and agree with what Nikesh Shipler says, you know, we can agree with what Ben is saying about homelessness, but like it, the question is, like, do the government do anything or do we do anything? Do we do, yeah. What can we do and what are people actually willing and going to do? I mm. think is kind of. Yeah. I think finding a creative uh, solution to the problem is the biggest uh, thing because what came out of our um, conversation with uh, Tim, who's the chairperson of Bath Food Bank, is that uh, so Bath is quite a wealthy city, as we all know, but there's still so there's a there's a big gap between people who can't afford food and wealthy people. So there's like hardly any in between. So there is no shortage of food supply to the food bank. It's more of how we distribute the and mm. so so it, it's not just about just just so donating is obviously a big a part of it but that's not the only thing because it's more about like volunteering or increasing access to this so something interesting that came out was a project done by a group of BBA students where they uh, where they formulated a model for the food bank on how they could better uh, distribute this food and mm -hmm. uh, just make it more effective, a more effective process. So it's more about doing things like that rather than just donating food or money because it's a bigger problem than just shortage of food. 